Hello, and welcome to this message from Calvary Albuquerque. We are excited to hear from our special guest speaker, Tony Clark. Tony is the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Newport News, and inspires people around the country through his radio program, The Word Made Plain. We pray that this message strengthens your relationship with the Lord. If it does, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at mystory@calvaryabq.org. And if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can give online securely at calvaryabq.org. Now we invite you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5 as Tony begins the message, Let Your Light Shine. Hey, we got some things to talk about today. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 16. And Father, we are so grateful for this tremendous opportunity you've given, Lord, to open up your word and to share with your precious people. I pray for your Holy Spirit to teach me. May I share your heart, Lord, with the hearts of your people. I pray your blessings today as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, looking at verses 14 through 16. The title of this message is Let Your Light Shine. Let Your Light Shine. Oh, this is very important. I don't have to tell you how dark things are in our world. This is the 15th anniversary of 9-11. Many of us know we knew where we were at that particular time where darkness came in such a great way on the shores of our country. Oh, we were already in a dark situation, but darkness came to the shores of our country. Oh, this date, 9-11, is no different than December 7th, 1941, when our president said this day will live in infamy. Well, 9-11 is our generation's December 7th, 1941. And so, as we know uh, how dark things are, What should our response be? Oh, I'm ashamed to say that many of us, we've grown accustomed to the darkness. We've grown desensitized to how dark things are. We, the things that used to, we, we used to blush. Now it's so common to us, we think nothing of it. But I believe that this message is going to be a wake up call for many of us here. Let's dive right in. I'm going to read verses 14 through 16. Then I'm going to come back and we're going to unpack these verses one verse at a time. Notice Jesus speaking. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Oh, this is a great set of verses. Great set of verses. Notice Jesus is speaking here. He says, you are the light of the world. Well, you in the the Greek is humorous, and it's emphatic in the Greek language. He is saying, you as my followers are the only light of the world. R is in this present tense, that verb is in this present tense, meaning that you are right now the only light of the world. You you might have been a light 10 years ago, but are you a light today? He said, you are, present tense, right now 
the light of the world. This blows me away because he calls us the light. The Greek word is phos. It's the root of where we get photo or photographed. Jesus is saying that you are the photograph of me to this dark world. A photo of me. We, 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 we are supposed to be a clear picture of who Jesus is to this dark world. I'm looking at many of you here. Many of you are of my age group and older. You remember the Portaroy camera? You remember that you push that button and you, you start fanning it like, you know, you know, you know that air kind of helps you get, get, you know, get a clear picture. You look at it, it's still fuzzy. You, you still fan. There's some young people who are like, what is he talking about up there? Some, some, of, you, some of you still got a Portaroy. I know. So y'all still got a couple lying around. I know. But see, what happened is I just wonder if we're like that Portaroy picture. I wonder if we are given a fuzzy picture of who Jesus is to this world. I wonder if it's out of focus. I wonder, has it not developed fully yet? And when people look at us, they're supposed to get a crystal clear picture. And instead, they're getting something that is fuzzy, something that hasn't quite developed yet. I, I, I just wondered about that. I just wondered, so he is saying that you are the light of the world. Light does two things, does many things, but two I'm going to bring to your attention. Light, number one, it reveals truth. And then light, number two, it exposes darkness. The way that we know if we're being a crystal clear picture of Jesus, are we revealing truth and are we exposing darkness? This this lets us know whether... We are a crystal clear picture of Jesus Christ to this world. You know something that blows me away is that Jesus said in John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. And here he is saying, you are the light of the world. Oh, watch this. Don't miss this point here. Jesus is like the sun, S-U-N, and we're like the moon. Oh, you understand that the moon doesn't have its own light. It reflects the light of the sun. And the only time that the moon doesn't reflect the light of the sun is during an eclipse. That's when the earth, the world, gets in between the sun and the moon. And it keeps it from reflecting the light. And I believe that there are many of you here who are experiencing a spiritual eclipse in your life. You've allowed the world to get in between you and Jesus Christ. Oh, you said, what is the world? Oh, I'm going to give you an example of that. Jesus tells us, you remember in the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, right around verse 19, he says, when the seed falls among the thorns, it says, then the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and we become unfruitful. Or we don't reflect Jesus Christ. Amazing thing to me. Maybe one of these things is what's causing your spiritual walk to be eclipsed. Maybe it's the cares of this world. The cares, that word cares in the Greek is a word that means the worries of this world. 
But what blows me away is that there are believers today, many believers today, you worry just as much as the world does. You worry about the bills. You worry about the money. You worry about the job. You worry about the economy. You're no different than the world is when it comes to worrying. Oh, ladies, I got to say, you're the ringleaders of this. (laughs) Oh, you know you are. And you know, I'm not afraid of you. You know, I'm a Marine. I'm letting you know. Former Marine. You know, so I'm not afraid of you. I can tell you, you the one. You the ringleader. The worry. You came here worrying today. Worrying if you're going to get here on time or not. You worrying, worrying. Talked to a lady after last service. She said, yeah, that's me. I was worried. I worry about the kids. I worry about the, you know. And you think when the kids get older, you stop worrying. No, no. Now you're worrying about the grandkids and the great-grandkids and the... It doesn't end. Sometimes we as believers, we're worrying as if our God got off the throne or something. The God of the universe, the God that said, let there be and there was. That God, the God who spoke the world into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That Hebrew word create is borrow. He means he created something out of nothing. He said, let there be, and there was. That's the God that we have on our side. But we live. We live as though he got off the throne. Oh, watch this. There are many of you who I call practicing atheists. You say, what do you mean? You say with your mouth you believe in God, but you live as though he doesn't exist. Because you worry. you're, You're worrying about all kinds of things. So maybe the worry, maybe the cares of this world has caused an eclipse to take place in your walk. Oh, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not the cares of this world. Maybe it's number two, the deceitfulness of riches. Notice how Jesus called it the deceitfulness of riches. Because money has a way of deceiving us into thinking the more we have, the happier we'll be. That's why it's called the deceitfulness of riches. Oh, and there are many of you here who have been deceived in thinking the more money I have, the happier I'll be. And that's why you're always chasing the dollar sign. This is why you always chase it. You're at a job where God is blessing, where God is using you, and you run over to this job because they promise a nickel more an hour. And then you run from that one and say, who, who else is out there? Who's going to give me more? You know what you remind me of? You remind me of Lot. You remember Lot in, in Genesis chapter 13? Oh, you well taught. You already know the story. Let me just remind you. Lot had some servants, and he was Abraham's nephew, and so his servants were fighting against Abraham's servants. So Abraham, the older, mature one, he went to Lot and said, look, man, we're brothers. We we can't be fighting like this. If you take the right, I will take the left. If you take the left, I will take the right. And it says that Lot lifted up his eyes and looked toward Sodom. Why? He said, because he saw that it was green, just like Egypt. And there are many of you who are looking up and you're looking for the green. And you're running after this job, this job, this dollar sign, this dollar sign. And we know from the story that Lot got himself in a lot of trouble. (laughs) You realize that. 
Oh, I've seen many people chase the green and they got themselves in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. So maybe it's not the the cares of this world, nor the deceitfulness of riches that's causing your life to experience an eclipse. Maybe it's the third thing. Maybe it's just a desire for other things. Oh, you've seen many people who used to sit in seats just like this. You see them out there. Say, where have you been? We missed you at church. Well, you know, I, I just been just doing some other things. And those other things are causing an eclipse to take place in their lives. And so Jesus is telling us, you're the light of the world. But I wonder how many of us aren't that light because we're experiencing an eclipse. I just wonder. Notice it says, you're the light of the world. Notice, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. That word hidden is, uh, in the Greek, is crypta. It means that which is secret, that which is hidden. No doubt the context of this is Jesus is teaching the greatest sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7. He's on the slopes of the Mount of Olives giving this message. And then in the distance, there is the city of Saved. That is 2,650 feet above sea level. No doubt from this city, you, you can get a panoramic view of the Sea of Galilee. You can see the whole area. And I believe as Jesus was teaching, it says a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He was kind of pointing to that city there. What he is saying that a city that is on a hill cannot be hidden hidden. In the daytime nor the night. In the daytime, you can see the city. You can see the homes. You can see the buildings up there because they're on a hill. You, they can't, you can't, can't hide them. But at night, uh, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden as well because the light shining through the windows of the homes and the buildings, you still see that particular city there. So Jesus said, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That means that there are no secret agent Christians undercover for the Lord on a special mission. It's none of that. There are many of you who are undercover Christians. If I were to go to your job and say, hey, did you know that they were a Christian over there? Would they say, who? (laughs) Them over there? Uh Uh-uh. Because you're on a special mission. Undercover for the Lord. Secret agent. No, no, he says a, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then verse 15 says, nor, oh, you understand that that is, that word nor is a conjunction and an adverb. Uh, it, it, it means it's about to introduce a further negative truth. The first negative truth is a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Oh, that word basket there in the Greek is modios. It can be translated as a basket or a bowl, that which covers something up. And Jesus is saying, what is the purpose of you having a light if you're going to cover it up? What's the purpose of you saying, I am the light, I'm I'm a Christian, I'm the light, I I belong to Jesus, if you're going to cover it up, if you're going to hide it? He said, there's no reason to have a light if you're going to cover that light up. There's no purpose. Why even try to flicker at all if you're going to cover it up? There's no need. So he says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. There are many reasons why people cover up their light. 
There's number one, there's the, the fear of, here we go, offending. I don't want to offend anybody. You know, I remember when this stuff first started, you know, it started making this way. Back in the 80s, you know, people would say, well, you know, I'm offended by what you said. We used to say, so? So what? I'm offended that you offended. You know, and today I, that's still my answer. I'm sorry to tell you, that's still my answer today. So? <laughs> Truth hurts. I, you know, I'm a Marine. I, so, and so because today Satan has crafted things in such a way that he has a great way of silencing Christians. Everyone else has a voice. It's like everyone else has come out of the closet. Christians been put in. That's the world we live in today. You better not say anything. We'll let you meet within those four walls. But you better not bring that light outside. And this is how things are crafted today. So out of fear, people hide their light. Fear of offending. I I just read, um, I think it was a, a high school coach. I think it was in Texas. He got fired because after a great victory, he said a Thanksgiving prayer. Thanking the Lord for the great victory, and they canned him. That's the world we live in. So out of fear, I'm afraid I'm gonna lose my job. I'm afraid that that I'm gonna get fired. I'm afraid I won't I get passed over for promotion. I'm afraid. So because of fear, we cover our light. Did you know that God gave you that job? He can give you another. Did you realize that? Oh, maybe you didn't. You didn't realize that. Now you realize, you understand that they're paying you to do a job. They're not paying you to be the company chaplain. You understand that too, don't you? So therefore we have to pray that God give, that we be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. That God will give us eyes to see the open doors that he opens to us. They're not paying you to get on the table in the break room and start preaching. They're not paying you for that. Paying you to do a job. Do your job. Do the best. You ought to be the best workers, the hardest workers on that job. Did you know that? Oh, there's a few people that's old school that believe in some hard work. Folks today, they didn't want to do enough just to get by. No, no, you're supposed to be the hardest workers there. Because the Bible says doing service as unto the Lord and not unto man. We're doing our work unto the Lord, Ephesians 6, 7 says. So, so here it is. Jesus said, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. And so because of fear of offending, fear of losing job, fear of being passed over for promotion, we've allowed the fear to act as a basket to cover up the light of the Lord in our lives. You know what else acts as a basket? Unconfessed sin. When we don't confess our sin, we we can't be effective witnesses for the Lord. We just, we're like, you know, it, we, we feel bad. We, we, we feel something, you know, the Lord tugging us to say something. We're like, no, 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 but I, yeah, I know. Yeah. And, we, and because of unconfessed sin, the Bible says, he who covers his sin shall not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes it shall find mercy. Mercy, by way of definition, is not getting what you deserve. 
And we want mercy is by us confessing, not just confessing, but forsaking it. He said, then we'll find mercy. So unconfessed sin can act as a, a basket covering up our lives. So he says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but the conjunction of contrast, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Oh, I love that. Jesus is saying that his light need to be first seen by those in the house. Oh, it's great. He already told us in verse 14 that we're the light of the world. That's great. That's fine and dandy. But the first place or the first group of people that need to see that light is those in the house. Oh, those who are called to uh, ministry in First Timothy 3 and verses 4 and 5, it says, if a man doesn't know how to take care of his own house, how can he take care of the house of God? It's a rhetorical question with the obvious negative answer. He can't. That the home is the testing ground for those who are called to ministry. If you can't lead your family into the things of God, don't you ever try to come to the church and do it. It's impossible. It's impossible. So the home is the testing ground for those called to ministry. Oh, there are many guys who get into ministry and, you know, and, and they're praying with people and teaching Bible studies and, and groups and all this. And the wife is looking and saying, I wish you would do that at home. So the home is the testing ground for those called into ministry. See, we all can be Christians here sitting in these chairs. We all can be Christians. But can we be a Christian at home? We can show the light. We can smile. You know how we Christians that a cheesy smile like we like we posing for a toothpaste commercial. You know, we, you know, and we can do all that here. And we go home and be a grump. Can we be a Christian at home? Can we shine the light at home? The people in the house need to see it first. They're the first one. Before we take it to the world, the people need to see it at home. And then he says in verse 17, he says, let your light so shine before men. Oh, that verb let means not to prevent. Or forbid, but allow, let your light so shine before men. You know, sometimes we don't want to let it shine. We don't want to let it shine for a variety of reasons. But he says, let your light so shine. You know, what blows me away is that Jesus didn't just say, let your light shine. That would have been great. Oh, no, but he asked the adverb so in there, which means to such a great extent. He says, let your light so shine before men. Don't just let it shine, but let it so shine. Oh, it reminds me of what Jesus said in John 3, 16. He says, for God so loved the world. He didn't just love the world, but he so loved it. Meaning that love was a word that doesn't adequately describe how he feels toward the world. So the adverb so is put in front of love to give love a little more punch, a little more um. He just doesn't love the world, but he so loved the world. Oh, he has to remind me of this from time to time. When I look on TV or social media and see the mess that's going on in the world and I get upset. The Marine come out in me. And I want to get my uniform back on. I can barely get a leg in one, but 
But I still want to, though. And the Lord has to tap me on the shoulder and say, Tony, don't forget that I so love the world. And he has to remind me, he said, and guess what? That world that I so love, it includes ISIS. And that's why I struggle. That's why I struggle. And that's why I'm not God, and you ought to be glad of that. Because he loves it. They, they, they're just in darkness. But they're seeing a, a light, a great light. You know why? Because of you. And, and you're going over there and building playgrounds and showing the love of Jesus Christ to the children. Because, see, those children will grow up and be adult ISIS men. But because of you, did you see the joy on their faces? The laughter? They probably haven't laughed in months. They had nothing to laugh about. There was no laughing matter over there. But because of you, you brought joy in some children's lives. Oh, you might not have been there physically. Oh, because of your giving, there's children experiencing the joy. Because of you. Because of you. So you're showing the love of Jesus Christ. And so here he is. He says, let your light shine before men. Oh, there we go. There we go. We need to take this light beyond the church. It needs to be seen and it needs to shine before men. Not just here in the church, but before men, the, the, the world out there. Why? That they may see. Oh, can we stop there? That they may see. They need to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 17. Oh, you're well taught. You know what this is. On the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember when Jesus was on top of the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And it said that Jesus was transfigured before them. It, it, it means that his deity was shining forth through his humanity. And he was glowing. The Greek word for uh, transfigure is metamorpho. A great word. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis from. That process that a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. And I believe that many of us need to be transfigured. We need to experience a metamorpho where, where Jesus is shining forth through our humanity. So when people look at us, they see Jesus. No, he already said that they may see. Oh, he tells us what else that they need to see, that they may see your good works. That word good there in the Greek is kalos. It means that which is attractive. That it speaks of beautiful appearance. That they may see your good works. Oh, this is good here. Why is it that they need to see our good works? Because they can't see our faith. They can't see it. If you drive around and as you leave here and go get something to eat, people in the restaurant, people around you, you don't know who has faith. You can't see it. Faith is internal. It says that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, Ephesians 3.17. First John 4.4 4 says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's faith. That is on the inside. They can't see that, but they can see our works, which is external. And notice, when they see our good works, what would happen? 
they will glorify your father in heaven. The word glorify in the Greek is doxazo is where we get our English word doxology. It's a great word. It's a word that means to honor or to make glorious. To honor or to make glorious. So when our works, and we, they're good works, when we are doing those good works, the world will see it and they will give a beautiful doxology of our Father in heaven. Oh, it's nothing wrong with them. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting a pat on the back, so don't get it twisted. There's nothing wrong with getting a pat on the back of somebody saying thank you. Don't get weird on people. But they say thank you. Like, no, don't look at me. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Stop being weird. You're being weird. They don't know the Lord. They're looking at you like, the Lord? They don't know. They don't know the Lord. They just see you. They want to say thank you. So just don't make them feel weird by you being weird. You know, Christians can be weird, super spiritual. You know who you are out there. Super spiritual. You know, I always tell people, I said, I am who I am because of that woman who's been with me over 31 years. I tell people that. And then I always got to say, and for you super spiritual ones, we know the Lord. We know the Lord. Because some of you are super duper spiritual. You make people feel weird, you know. Because you're weird. Stop being weird. You might reach more people if you stop being so weird. Now, notice I only got six minutes to go, so I got to hurry up. Now, because I want to be invited back again, so I don't want you to say, that's scared people to, he's here too long. Here, here too. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> so he says, that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which... It's in heaven. We want to do things just like Jesus did in such a way that when people see our good works, they will give a beautiful, beautiful doxology of the Father in heaven. That's how we know our works were good. Good and as in that Greek word kalos, beautiful, that which is attractive. And we want to make sure that we're doing just that. Let me, let me wrap it up with this. I believe that there are billions of people. There are 7.1 billion people on the earth. There are billions of people who are sitting in darkness. And they need to see a, a great light. And they need to see a clear, a clear crystal picture of who Jesus is. That's where we come in. That's where we come in. And I pray if you're here today and you're experiencing a spiritual eclipse in your life, you want to come because there's going to be some people up here available to pray with you. There's going to be some people to pray to get things right. You never want to leave here the same way you came. When you come and you sit under the eternal teaching of the word of God, you should leave changed. And this is what you want to do. You don't want to leave here fooling around the same condition you were when you came. Or maybe you're here and you've been hiding your light, hiding it out of fear or hiding it because of unconfessed sin. You want to get that right with the Lord as well. And finally, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hey, I'm here. Let me just say this. I'm talking about Christianity, which deals with a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about churchianity. See, many of you got churchianity. 
You come and think because you come and sit in a chair at church that you're all right with God. Hey, let me tell you, that's not true. You need to repent of your sin and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe that he died on the cross and was buried and rose again. The Bible says you confess that, you will be saved. Some of you need to exchange your churchianity for Christianity, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's going to be some people available to deal with those things. And um, we're going to close in prayer. And I'm so excited because I got three minutes and I'm finished up in time and I'm feeling pretty good about it. (laughs) So let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this tremendous opportunity to share your word with your precious people. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw your people unto you. These are your people, Lord. You sent Jesus to die for them. And so, Lord, I pray that they would not leave here the same way that they came. And, Lord, I pray for those who are uh, experiencing a spiritual eclipse. I pray for those who have unconfessed sin in their lives and fear that they're dealing with. I pray for those who are chasing the almighty dollar. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Dear God, draw them to you by your spirit. Lord, I pray that nothing will hinder them from coming to the altar to get things right with you. Draw them to you by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this special service from Calvary Albuquerque featuring our guest speaker, Pastor Tony Clark. How will you let your light shine? Let us know. Email mystory at calvaryabq.org. And just a reminder, you can give financially to this work at calvaryabq.org. Thank you for joining us for this teaching from Calvary Albuquerque.